0: Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about the role pl- playing games set in the world of darkness and other tabletop games. We're broadcasting over Twitch every Sunday 7 p.m Central time and are open to answering questions during the show. This is episode three, I'm sorry, this is season three, episode 6, A Personal History of Conventions. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and my co host is Motorory who helped me create this podcast as well as a forty person four table Gen Con event. How's it going this week?
1: Uh, pretty good. Uh given the nature of my job I actually haven't had to work a lot in the past week, so that's nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my my job is going through major conversion to an enterprise kind of setup, so Lots of stuff kind of going on right now. So, yeah. um, this week we're going to be talking about um, the personal um, history that we have with conventions. So, let's uh, just go ahead and kind of start this off um, with the person that's been going to conventions the longest. Uh, what was your first convention?
1: Alright, so I actually had to kind of figure this out. Um, I'm fairly certain that the first convention that I went to was Gen Con in 1999. Uh, So so I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, which is the county just south of Milwaukee. And anybody who knows about Gen Con knows that up until 2002, Gen Con was in Milwaukee. Um, So I was friends in high school with a lot of the, uh, let's just put it, The the people that wore black a lot. Uh and I think they had tried to get me to play D and D a few times before this. And so it wasn't so much that I was into gaming. It was more that I was uh, you know, going to my, my friends and I was the one with the car, which uh seems to be a theme in my life, uh, still today. Uh but yeah, so Man, Gen Con in 1999 was not as big as it is today. Uh, uh, suffice it to say, it was still the biggest gaming convention of the year for the gaming industry. Uh, so there's tons of people there. I know. I think I saw Gary Gygax once, but somebody had to say who he was to me and say <laughs> like, "That's Gary Gygax," and I was like, "Who's that?" Well, he created D and D. I mean, obviously, I know a lot more about him now, but uh, but yeah, 1999. What did
0: and, you, uh, but you yeah, do was, a lot? At, um, what was your like major thing that you went there to go do?
1: Well, I didn't go there to do anything other than hang out with my friends. Um, and because I was not really into gaming at the time, we spent, I think, 90% of the time in the exhibit hall. Which even in nineteen ninety nine was gigantic. Like you could walk around that thing all weekend and still not stop at every booth.
0: So were you purchasing art then, um, and and like comic books or was what was the what was the main oh, draw man. for you since you weren't like a, a gamer at that time?
1: Well, let's see. Was that the first year? I think it was the second year, but but everything at this point, especially all the way back then, kind of melds together. Um, do you remember a video game called Rubies of Eventide?
0: No, that uh, surprisingly yeah. sounds like something probably, I should
1: know. But, uh... Probably, because it, I don't think it ever came out. But Gen Con in Milwaukee, uh, they were promoting this game. It was supposed to be a lot like EverQuest. And I suppose I should say back in that time period I played a lot of EverQuest that's uh, the thing that me and my friends were into um, but so I don't want to spend too much time on this Ruby's Ruby's of eventide was giving out this uh, this merch that was essentially a uh, it was a it was a piece of cardboard that had a rubber band in the middle uh, that somehow popped it into uh, like not a D12. It was just a it was just a, a thing. So like if you, it, you could push it flat and then you could set it down, but then it would pop back up because of the rubber band. And we figured out that if you put these in a stack, it would turn into a fountain of these things just shooting off. <laughs> so we spent two days getting as many of these things as possible And I think we got to like a stack of a hundred at some point and like just a bunch of people stood around and watched this thing just fountain for like two minutes. It was amazing. That's awesome. I really wish I still had one of those things. It's, it's actually like a big memory of mine, but no, we mostly went around and like, and at the time in high school, like, you know, we were kids with computers and we played EverQuest obviously. Uh, And that's when I was on dial up. So, you know, damn kids today with their t1 connections uh we were mostly just going around looking at anime uh i think i went to a few anime like uh screenings um i think i tried to play a game of star wars which uh was the living campaign called sparks and i showed up and i had, like bought the ticket for it which by the way was like a fucking ticket at the time that you they i can't remember how they printed them off at the time it was so low tech um and i showed up and they're like do you have a character and i'm like i have no idea what you mean (laughs) and honestly in terms of that game i still don't know what they mean but uh i mean vaguely uh now i i'm not sure if it was the first year i think it might have been the first year but at some point, me and my friends in high school got into the cosplay competition. And I know one of my friends from high school continued to do it, I think, all the way till Indianapolis, like 2007, maybe 2008. Like, so for almost a full 10 years that he did it. And like his mom was into making costumes and stuff. And so I'm not sure if it was the first year we went, but I, I cosplayed Darth Maul. And we hadn't, we didn't decide on doing cosplay competition until, like, oh, maybe that was the second year. Because me and my friend Steve, the guy who was into uh, cosplaying, we choreographed an entire uh, lightsaber fight. The problem was that, so Darth Maul had the, the double-ended lightsaber, when we, co- when we choreographed it, Steve had the double-ended lightsaber and I had the, the regular lightsaber. <laughs> and at the last second, we were like, let's not do the lightsaber fight because we're going to have to trade on stage and it's just not going to make sense. Uh, and I did continue to do cosplay uh, all the way until, I want to say, the second year in indie. Uh, the first year in indie, I did... Um, Sauron from Lord of the Rings I built this like elaborate metal helmet Uh, and then the year after that I did the Witch King and that one turned out to be so shitty that I just didn't do the cosplay competition I was just like this looks like shit I'm not even (laughs) not even gonna sign up
0: it can be a hard costume to pull off
1: yeah you gotta although now at Gen Con at Gen Con the cosplay parade slash competition is one of the big things that happens. Oh yeah. And uh like I don't go to it anymore, but I like to like when when the cosplay parade is happening, I like to watch it uh just to see everything.
0: Yeah but the I've been competition in it a couple itself
1: of times. it's been Oh yeah?
0: Yeah it's a it's a, the parade. Um I, I didn't I never went on to the
1: competition itself. Um Yeah. Now, the competition Especially back in the late '90s, early 2000s, was was really cool. People did some really interesting shit, and I say it's really cool then because that was before cosplay became a gigantic industry. So,
0: yeah, I, I um I definitely had a lot of fun doing cosplay stuff. Um, like I did uh, Joker one year, and um, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob another year. Um.
1: Now, wait, talk about that a little bit because I want people to know the in, the most the most interesting part about that.
0: Oh, well, I guess I, I guess the most interesting part about that is that um, my wife uh, really wanted to go as Bob, um, so my my life mate my non hetero life mate uh, became my hetero life mate um yeah. for, during those and 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 to be honest it's the way that uh, jay treats um silent bob is um it's it's not good for a relationship i mean we we didn't have any we didn't create any problems by <laughs> but yeah. uh but your no,
1: your now wife is very forgiving of you <laughs> I'll just say, and so any time that you did speak in Jay's voice to her, uh, as she was cosplaying Silent Bob, was—I uh, mean, it, I think I felt uncomfortable a couple times, but yeah, no, she's she's great, and she is an amazing Silent Bob. And in fact, didn't you guys cosplay as Jay and Silent Bob to meet Jason Mewes at Wizard World one year?
0: Yes, yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, that was really awesome. I was standing there. Yep, we've got... I was
1: standing there, and I was like, I kind of want to talk to him, but no, nah, I didn't pay the money.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was fun to just chat with him for just a, you know, really brief, of course, always uh, just a brief moment of, uh, hey, that's really awesome. Like, you know, he, he thought it was a really cool idea, and uh, it, was, it was really not something you see very often, for sure. Yeah,
1: no, he's, he was a super awesome guy. Uh at your wizard world we went to go see him at the panel and uh and then you guys paid for the autograph and got to meet him that was pretty cool yep
0: yeah. yeah and so uh, so my my first experience with um Khan started in uh 2006 uh or no sorry 2006 um uh, 2005 um, which was, no, sorry, 2003. What am I, why am I, yeah, it, I'm all it's over in the place the,
1: here. It's written in the outline, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at uh, reading right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, so 2013, which was the first uh, Gen Con Indianapolis. So you, you were at that one, correct? Yes. So the one thing I remember about this convention was that it was insane, like um the the goodies that they gave out they gave out like bobo fett uh leather jackets that year um what you did is you, roll, you uh, do you remember rolling the big dice or did you do anything with the the prize like super prize giz- giveaway Ooh. that they did that
1: year I don't think I did was that at the wizards of the coast booth
0: yeah so the wizards of the coast um you know kind of had a huge celebration thing that they did that year. It was like the release of, I want to say, it was like the release of third edition, or just before the release of of third edition.
1: Um, when did? Third... I mean, I do remember. I remember the big D20, and I remember the sign that says "Do not roll the big D20."
0: Um, well they're well so they had the d20 for a few years um so there's a couple different times that they they did this because the next year that i went back um and i don't i don't think it was the very next year that i went back it was the year after that they had completely changed up the rules um the second time that we went the first time that we went and i'm very sure that this was the first time that they held it is that they didn't know what they were doing And they had like this list of prizes on the wall. And what you did is you went around and you got stamps for doing all of the demoing of a game. And you would get all these stamps and it would give you all these pluses to your character. Um, It had like a little character um, thing on it and um, you could go around. One of the things to do was to get a artist to draw you a really cool character portrait um so one of the big things that we did is we'd go around and talk to some of the D and D artists that were you know sitting around and have them draw up really cool stuff for us and that would give us good bonuses and you could go around and hit up a ton of different things to get all of these different kind of bonuses and then you would go up at um, after you filled out your character sheet to a certain extent um to what you felt was what you wanted for your bonuses you could go turn it into them and you could roll the d20 and when you rolled the d20 it the first year i remember it being really chaotic because it was they had like all these prizes and you had to roll the number in order to get the prize so like day one i remember it being like they were like okay you have to roll the number and whatever number you rolled you get a prize and so you you kind of, like, were looking... For, and the better prizes were the higher numbers, of course. So you were trying to get some of the better prizes and stuff. Yeah. But I remember that later on, they were kind of going, like, well, you can get whatever's below it or whatever you want. And there was so much kind of just kind of throwing around of, of uh, what you could get from all of this. And we just went, like, hog wild on it. Like, every single day, um, I think we... our, our group got like three leather jackets um I got <laughs> um a bunch of board games um that were you know like debuting at that time I think there was like risk um 20 uh f- like 2077 or something like or whatever I, I can't yeah, remember yeah. um the year yeah, then but yeah it's the the futuristic risk and I got that like at the day that it kind of debuted i believe. Um, or it was pretty brand new, at least at that point. Um, and I remember that being a pretty expensive game. And there was a bunch of other stuff. Um, the second year that they did it, I'm pretty sure there was a leather bound uh, 3.5 or 3.0. Um, so it no. was July, but, June 2003, that third edition, uh, 3.5 was released in June
1: 2003. So. This was the the two oh no. Yeah, that would have been just before Gen Con, of
0: course. That would have been just before Gen Con in the the first Gen Con. So I think that maybe even the leather bound book might have been even during that Gen Con. Um, but I know like the second year they had some other like they did leather bound books for a couple of of years. Um, and but I just we we like cleaned out. We we found ways to like get you know, hit up as many, you know, hit up the ones that are really quick booths and stuff.
1: Can I speculate that it was Chuck doing most of this? Um, let's just
0: say that Chuck came up with some, um, high level spells in order to accomplish insane feats. Cause he got two of the leather jackets, one for himself (laughs) and, and one for this girl that he was trying to impress. Um, which never works out. I've never heard of anybody going to Gen Con and having having like any kind of real relationship work out
1: at at the end of that. But but man, yeah, have we'll, we tried? We'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave the comments on that uh, to another venue. Um, now Chuck started going to Gen Con way earlier than you guys, right?
0: Yeah. So th- I'm pretty sure they started in like 2000 or uh, 1997. I want to say something like that because they went.
1: Yeah, right. They
0: went ju- even. Like, uh, let's see here. Because Gen Con's been around. uh, It's not always been at Milwaukee or Indianapolis, and I'm pretty sure they were at it before.
1: It was in Milwaukee after 1987, I think. 85.
0: Oh, so it's been in Milwaukee every year since then.
1: Yeah, it was in Milwaukee for a really long time. But yeah, uh, I was just going to bring up Chuck, uh, your friend from where you grew up in northern Wisconsin. He had gone to Gen Con uh, starting sometime in the late 90s, and he never missed one until, I think it was 2019, when he didn't come with us. Because um, he did miss one year, right?
0: I think he did miss one year. But yeah, he he, he was hardcore, always going to yeah. every con. And he was winning because like, he would go there for the sword tournaments, um, and he was getting like first or second place in a lot of the duels um, that you can do at gen con um and he would play a lot of the card tournaments i believe i don't think he did any magic um but he i know like a a lot recently but i don't know i can't can't remember exactly what he was doing but i believe there was a card game that he was playing as well at gen con um in the past but recently he's been winning the um what is that the marvel Legendary? Legendary tournaments. Which like, he's the, been
1: the winning the win.
0: <laughs> Like, what is he, two years in a row now that he won?
1: I think he won 17 and 18. Or at least he got top five. I want to say he got, got third place one year. He definitely got... I think f- first place one year because i
0: remember him getting that, that trophy year. and our cars were all filled and we were like yeah why was... why are you what <laughs> chuck no you you're gonna have to throw you we're just gonna chuck. put it on top of the car like
1: <laughs> yeah uh but anyway so so that brings up uh to go back to the question what, what your early days at gen con uh in indianapolis starting in 2003 what was the stuff that you did
0: Um, so when I first started going to Gen Con, um, I had already pretty much, um, I was like 18 at the time, 17, 18, um, that year, no, so I'd been 17 that year, and, um, I, I had been into gaming quite a bit, um, but we didn't, um, we didn't really go for any games, like, we, we basically went to go party, um, and, um, you know i I did a lot of uh activities that made me um, wander the stage of a c d she um backstage after the show after we'd got done talking to them lost because um I didn't know where I was, and so at the time, I shouldn't have been in this state, but I was so. Uh, Mike's hard lemonades, a bitch. <laughs> the, yeah,
1: we've, uh, we've all ended up. Actually, I'm not. Eh, should I tell that story? <laughs> you know, let's let's leave that one out. I say.
0: But in any case, um, so we partied a lot. Um, I know that um, after I was 21, I went to a lot of the. Um, uh, I believe White Wolf threw a lot of parties. I can't remember if I was 18 and I didn't drink during them, but I'm pretty sure I drank during them, so I must have been 21 or above. And they threw some ragers, like crazy ragers.
1: Um, Did okay. So which that would have been 2004 or five? They bought a they they rented a private club and had a had a party. And there were like cages and stuff. Were you at that one?
0: Um. So, th- so I, I I didn't turn twenty one until, um. That would be, two thousand and five. Wait a minute. Okay, was so I would have been nineteen when I was uh, when the first time. Okay, so sorry, I don't know how to do math and. <laughs> Apparently, numbers are screwing with me, um, and years and everything. But in any no, case, uh, so I was, I was
1: people <laughs> crave is people trying to figure out what age they were at different Gen Cons. Uh,
0: so I was nineteen the first Gen Con because I'm born in 1984. So I was nineteen um, in 2003. Um, yeah. So I was 21. Would have been um, the 2004. I became. Yeah, so it had been 2005. So it was 2005, and yes, they did have cages. Um,
1: I and think I was we both. were both at that. I think we were both there.
0: Yeah, so um, because, yeah, I didn't go to 2004. I, I'm pretty sure I skipped. Um, if I remember correctly, I was in Madison, and I, I didn't have any money at that time. But in 2005, I had a little bit more capability of going um I was still dead broke, but yeah, I went to, they threw, they had people in cages, they had just, it was, so were you at the one where they did free alcohol for okay. like, or so, f- like, it was a free beer or free alcohol, it was something, so, something free that was, got you drunk, and we got trashed, so, and then so first they stopped,
1: all, like at midnight. I don't know, I don't know how we got in, because I think there was some sort of invitation, yes, but. But it was really easy uh, some, to get a
0: hold of, to be honest.
1: Yeah, so I think there was somebody in our group that, that had, like, the invite. Um, but here, So here's the story. Uh, I was with my high school friends at the time. And given how organized or slash unorganized our little gaming group is, my high school friends were, like, so much worse. <laughs> so we didn't leave until, like, 10, 30, 11. And then, I mean, this is before smartphones. And like one guy said he knew where it was. We literally walked like two miles in the wrong direction oh. in Indianapolis. And finally somebody was like, we need to turn around. So we turned around and it was like, we finally got back to the street where we turned to go down that two mile stretch. And we walked two more blocks and got to the place. walked in i think we were there for like 20 minutes it was uh yeah yeah Yeah, so you missed you
0: missed it man like because i'm pretty sure that that was the year like i i was 21 um and they threw this great like it was i remember it being like they said like it was open bar you could have like there was a bunch, I'm pretty sure there was vodka drinks and stuff like that because I, I wasn't a big beer, beer drinker at all back then. I was more of a mixed drink, um, like uh, oh, vodka yeah. with, with something. Um, I think and, we all were. And so I, I drank uh, like a whole shitload. And I remember it being like at about midnight, they were like, okay, we can't do any more free drinks anymore. <laughs> like you guys have like tapped us out. Of of our goodwill at this point, um, and it it was um, it was awesome though. Like it was one of those just uh, um, real experiences that I'll barely remember, but I remember it being re- just one of the highlights of my life for sure. Um, because yeah. I remember it was I'm pretty sure it was Chuck getting us in um, through like finding out about it and and uh, learning you know. Um, because he wasn't really into World of Darkness, and I kind of was, but I don't think I, I was really into, like, digging into stuff, and I was just kind of, at that time, just wandering Gen Con, not really trying to figure out what to do at Gen Con, just being amazed by it, and getting dragged along by my friends into stuff, um, so we did a lot of stuff of just, like, you know, playing a lot of the, um, open games and testing games and stuff and we were at the beginning the first two times that i went it was all about that dice and throwing and going to ragers and cool stuff after the events um you know during the nighttime, um like the She concert was uh some pretty crazy yeah. stuff the
1: the first year that i was there yeah I'll say that my first few years at GenCon in Milwaukee were a little different because we were driving back and forth every day, you know, because we lived so close.
0: Oh um, yeah, that does make it for, uh, a lot different. Um, so that is one thing that I want to, speaking of which I just want to touch base. If you're going to GenCon or any other convention, my highly suggestion is to try as hard as you can to get a connected hotel. Um it's not that you can't you shouldn't go or it's it's really bad to be outside um, it is just a different experience um, and and the way that I kind of want to highlight this is that so most of the time I was either connected or at least downtown um, you know where it's you can you can easily get to a building that will get you connected to the convention center um, and Indianapolis is pretty good about this um, when you're downtown you're part of the Gen Con experience pretty 24-7. Like, there is there is really no downtime. You can create downtime if you want, but there's no scheduled downtime. You're always just... There's always stuff going on. People are in and out of the hotel, you know, at all times of night, causing ruckuses. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a free-for-all of activity and insanity. Um... That is just one solid experience, and I feel like when I stayed outside of um, the downtown area, it was a completely different. There was there was Gen Con time, and then there was the the downtime after. Like you had a very distinct. As soon as you got outside of the city limits, you didn't want to go back. So you were probably just going to go and hang out you know, and not do a lot of the Gen Con activities that happen at night. Um, I remember a lot of the times um, being going back at, like, 9 o'clock, um, which would just be unthought of as to that's the time that you stopped doing Gen Con stuff,
1: um, all the other pastimes that I went. Yeah. I will say this. I think one of the last times that I went with my high school friends, the, the Hyatt, or I think it might have it might've been a different hotel at the time, like owned by somebody else. But I think it's now the Hyatt where it's got uh, the big open space all the way up. And it's right across the street from the convention center. Um, uh, It's the one with the subway in it. Yeah. Uh, We got a room in that hotel without any trouble whatsoever in like 2005. It was, and now it's impossible to get a hotel room.
0: Well, okay, so they changed up the way that they do um, their registration. So the, back in the day, what you would do is it was all about your internet connection. So Chuck, um, you know, had figured out, well, not figured out, but he, he had the fastest internet connection. He had the, the highest level um, charter internet connection, and charter wasn't, you know, everywhere at that time. So he was part of the limited pool of of people that had a gigabit um, Ethernet connection at that time or, you know, uh, or what a uh, one megabit connection instead of a 56, 56, 56 K. 56 K. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody else was on a 56 K modem and he had a one megabyte uh, connection or big or whatever. Um, and so what it was all about was everybody would log in at the same exact time, on their website and crash the website and then everybody would just keep on trying until you got something right and so it's just this mad rush of destroying their website for one day out of the year and then um you you got what you got so there i mean because of the chaos because of uh gen con in the beginning actually too was what like 30 40 you know, 50,000 people in the beginning and now it's at 100,000?
1: Uh, no, it's it's now maxing out at 50. Uh, back when they switched to Indianapolis, it was between 20 and 30. Um, um, so, yeah, you're, you're probably thinking about later years, maybe just... Uh, oh, no! what know, I'm saying right now bit. is, yeah, today we're at 100,000 oh, people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Gen but Con... The, the last time I got a hotel... Like I called my friends and I said, "Hey, I got a hotel. Let's go to GenCon. I think it was like two thousand four or five or six, and I just got a hotel room. It was there yeah. were people staying there, like you know, a family who just booked a hotel room so their kids could play in a pool. Just they were just staying at that hotel at the same time. Like didn't put a dent in indie when they started there." Now, it's all the way out to the outskirts.
0: However, the first year, do you re- do you remember the great food shortage of the first year? I do not. Wow, because that was a huge thing. I don't know, we hit up Steak and Shake um, and all of the like Subway, downtown restaurants, stuff like that, um, during the first year of Gen Con, and it was Bad. Um, from our our assessment of what we learned was that nobody told the food industry that gamers were coming to Indianapolis in the first year, yeah. that nobody knew what Gen Con was. Nobody cared about Gen Con and no food restaurant was prepared for like the there was not only was there food shortages there was staff shortages that were like not even close to what you're seeing now we still have like they 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 shut down uh stake and shake i believe in 2000 and what was it 2019 that uh they didn't do <laughs> late night steak and shake i believe or something like that we were on the outskirts i believe on that that year so we Oh didn't... yeah that
1: i think that last year where are we it's hard to remember it's hard to remember it?
0: But, but in any case, um, I, I, just remember it being a huge food shortage of, and then like staff shortage, like nobody expected steak and shake normally on a, on a Friday night, you know, on a Thursday night, you know, when we, or actually it's Wednesday when we arrive, you know, on a normal Wednesday night, they just don't have the staff ready for it. So they were calling in favors. They had nothing on the menu. Um, it was, it was insane,
1: um, Honestly, at this point, somebody in the gaming community should set up a GoFundMe for the employees of Steak and Shake that work that weekend. (laughs) Just just like, because it is just so fucking bad. Like, I'm just trying to think of some stories. Yeah, and I don't want to tell them. Um, So I think we should transition to... uh, later conventions and going to other ones, but I want, I want to tell this one last story about my final years at Gen Con, uh, because I don't think I've even told you this story probably cause it's slightly embarrassing. Um, anyway, so, so I was going with my high school friends every year and the, the last two guys that continued to go, uh, At at some point, because I I was in Madison going to college, and uh, everybody else was, you know, off doing their own thing, we kind of lost touch. And so I think it was either it must have been 2006, where this is what I did, I had met some a new guy in Madison. uh, And I, I was able to get in contact with one of my high school friends and say, Hey, if I can make it to Gen Con, can I stay in your hotel room and get a ride back? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. All good. And so I got a ride from somebody that I had met in Madison who continues to go to Gen Con every year. Uh, so, so that was like, let's say 2006. 2007, I think I was in a little bit of a different place in my life. And here was my plan. I'm trying to get in contact with my friend from high school, this, the, the one that does the cosplaying stuff. But I can't get in contact with him. But I know he's going to be there. So I fill up a duffel bag with the things that I need to go to Gen Con. And I get a bus. I get an overnight bus to Indianapolis where I have to be at the bus station in Chicago overnight for three hours. I'm not going to tell the story that happened at the bus station. But I got to Indianapolis that next morning I walked to Gen Con. I got one of those little lockers where you put the quarters in and you get the key. And then I walked around hoping to find my high school friends that I knew were there. Within an hour, I found them. And I said, hey, guys, can I stay in your hotel room tonight? And they said, yes.
0: Well it sounds it like worked that worked out, out it,
1: very well. It definitely worked out. The uh but man, the faith that I put like the willingness that I had at that time to just sleep under a table was it was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now it's uh, so nice that you can just buy a or get a get a room somewhere, you know, get a get oh, yeah, a I can. Get a taxi, something, you know, get an Uber to where money somewhere now. Else.
1: Yeah, it's crazy All right, not being a, so in your 20s. Uh, do you want to talk about any of the conventions that you went to in between 2007 and 2013? 2013 being when we met each other in Madison and I went to Gen Con with you guys for the first time.
0: Uh no, it's just that um I took you know a little bit of a break um after two thousand and five or two thousand six some somewhere around there um and then started back up i believe in two thousand and two thousand eleven ish and and then oh, okay. have been going ever since then um you know we yeah, we have a like a little gen con group that we um you know have been part of ever since. Um, you know, we called it the Marshfield crew and now, um, you know, now we've moved, a lot of us has moved to Madison, but there's still some of us that live in different parts of different areas. So we all kind of come together and, and go to Gen Con, um, yeah. you know, and, and try to make it every year. Um, and, and some of us have been really good about it. And some of us have, uh, have, we've, we've yeah, and lost just, souls over the years.
1: In addition to the Marshfield crew, we have now added, uh, your wife, uh, amber and me yep
0: yep and then matt uh, a long time ago left the marshfield crew but yeah um and and went to become his own crew that lives uh somewhere uh and but still goes with us which is cool like and we so it's interesting how we've all kind of moved off different places or added people in
1: but he was still part of the original Marshfield crew. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah. So yeah. Nothing. Nothing immediate um, that comes to mind. Um, those were more relaxed. Uh, a lot of convention going for me up until we started running games um, was really kind of just relaxed. And I think the first year that I went with you was out, um, the first year that I started hitting up LARPs and stuff like that. I don't think I even. Man, I didn't do oh, it with really? you, but I was doing it with just by myself to a certain degree. and
1: Yeah, I, I think I might have like uh, visited you at one of the LARPs, but uh, but yeah, so so 2013 is when I went back to JapanCon and got back into L5R, uh, which is Legend of the Five Rings, and there's a living campaign called Heroes of Rokugan, which did a five-year cycle. And just kind of t- to get back to it, uh, to-, to previous conventions, I had played a character in the previous two cycles, uh, one at uh, Gen Con Milwaukee, and then another one uh, in Gen Con Indianapolis. And in fact, I think I was, I was technically there for the end and... Very end of the second five-year cycle, uh, and so when I got back into it, I told people that, and they were like, "I don't remember you." I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's c- probably because I was only at like three or four games that one year. Um, but yeah, it was it was a game that I had been into previously, so I got back into it. Uh, and the reason I bring it up is because the the topic of this episode is personal convention history. Uh, so at Gen Con 2013, I went to a bunch of, you know, uh, these L5R games. And then on Saturday night is when they do their main, what they call interactive, which is a LARP, but maybe not so stringent. Like you're not, you don't have to be in character all the time. Nobody's being super emotional about shit. It's, it's more mechanical things happening. Uh, I had more discussions during the interactive about the spirit of Bushido, and like, you know, what is the correct way to manifest the uh, the correct behavior of a samurai. Uh, I, I had more discussions about that than the actual plot that was happening. So, so that was cool. Uh, but at the end of that interactive, this one guy. You know, everybody was doing their, like, uh, end of night, you know, hey, thanks for the GMing, and thanks for everybody showing up. This one guy got up on a chair, and he said, hey, this is a really great game. The people that play it are really awesome. You should play more of it. We also run these games at Origins. And there are two conventions in Kansas City, one in December, And one in March, Uh, one is, uh, I think, December or or November is like the Kansas City Game Fair. And then the one in March is just, it's just L5R, just this group called Weekend in Rokugan. So I was at a certain point in my life where I decided, I'm going to go to all of those. I have the money, I have the time, I'm just going to do it. So... Let me, let me just pull this out real quick. This is my character from that campaign. So I started in 2013. These are all... Okay, here we go. No, yeah, okay. These are all the modules that I played. That's I played awesome. like 50 modules. Okay. And these are all in, you know, sleeves and shit. And so I had to go to the ones that I don't even have in sleeves to figure out that I did go to Kansas City in the, the, the winter of 2013, just after that Gen Con. And I, and I went for the subsequent three years after that. Uh, and I stopped going because we started doing our world of darkness ship. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's three years of going to an extra convention, uh, two extra conventions every year. And then Origins as well, which I still go to uh, because, well, I just like it. Uh, it's in Columbus, Ohio. And a friend of mine lives in Cleveland. I get to drive down on Tuesday, stay with him. And so I did that a couple years. And then he started coming with me to that convention, which is amazing because I love hanging out with that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, so then after that, um, um, I mean, we basically, we started doing, I guess the next kind of phase really is, is our World of Darkness uh, um, Gen Con event that we started running. Um, but I also did run those at uh, Midwinter um, Origins and Hole Con is... Um, and that was like right around two thousand and eighteen, I think, just at towards the end, just before we ended the the and I think the game con one was uh, I ran one after we had finished completely finished the game um in two thousand and eighteen. and um those those smaller conventions are a lot of fun, like game con is in madison um, in a much smaller kind of uh venue for gaming but um i had i think like i I just ran the mage uh portion of madison under siege year two um and i think i had like seven or eight people that signed up for that game um and it, it was interesting to see there was a lot of uh a lot of interest in the world of darkness in Madison for sure.
1: Well, there, there, there must've been a different year then it must've been, uh, the end of 17. Cause there was one where we, we set it up for a multi-table, uh, and then like not enough people showed up. So I played at the vampire table.
0: Oh, yeah, there was a year that uh the year it was it was like a couple of years, I believe before that because I believe that that was like one of our um, like was that like after the first year I would think
1: it might have been yeah,
0: but yeah, that was that um yeah, that one we did we did um it was more of a larp kind of uh request that we did, and we had asked for 40 people. One of the interesting things I find about World of Darkness is that it seems like it does seem to be harder to get people um, that are not already involved in something to come to a bigger 40-person, like, um, LARP. That kind of request is harder to pull off than asking for, um, you know, Six to ten people to show up for one table, but then asking for multiple tables of that tabletop seems to have a, a strong draw from um, for the world of darkness from people that are not um, into the world of darkness, just kind of want to check it out. Whereas LARP seems to be more you're going to have to get people, or you get a lot more people who are already involved in the world of darkness, and and either or they're you know taking their leap for the first time type thing. But I, I don't know. I just I find it a lot harder to get uh, larpers um, to play in games than it is to get um, tabletopers. Um, and you seem to get a lot more new people when you play tabletop. And when um, you know, I, I feel like larpers is just more of a community that already exists and they're
1: already doing their thing. Yeah, um, and we've always listed our. Uh, world uh, Madison under siege games as tabletop and I think one of the reasons we were as successful as we were was because we got we got tabletop players and we got people who were interested in checking out tabletop and it's really easy especially in the the system that, that we created to just be like okay we're at a tabletop now go do this thing And then they come back from doing that thing, and then we reveal like, "Oh, you just larped," and they're (laughs) like, "Oh, that's larping," and you're like, "Yeah, that's larping. It's not scary."
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we just do larping at the table. Basically, it's a lot of lot of what we do, even when we're not doing um, large, super table stuff. uh, You know, with lots of people. Like when we only have ten people, it's just a lot of larping at the table, basically going into character actually, and You know, and the only main thing that we, we keep to the t- tried and true is that we have the t- all the tabletop rules and everything. And to be honest, I'm more into the, even if you, if I, if I did a LARP, I would probably do a LARP that used tabletop rules instead of LARP rules anyways. And yes, you're just going to have to bring the bag of dice with you when you're walking around and you can roll it on the ground or... The beautiful thing in the, the 21st century that we live in, all of us have dice rollers on our phone. So you can resolve a lot of that stuff using tabletop rules and not have it be a big hindrance on um, the time, which is what a lot of people. I, I feel like the idea behind LARP rules is that it's quick, dirty and easy. Um, and allows you to progress the story as quickly as possible using rules, whereas tabletop takes a little bit more time and there's a little bit more mechanical um, consumption of, of play
1: that happens. Yeah. I don't really have much to say about, but yeah. about that. Uh, other than the the, the the main aspect of LARP that, that I kind of uh, uh, think is the, the thing that tabletop players uh, that, that we kind of thrust upon the tabletop players was the you now get to get up and knowing what you know and having the goals that you have, you need to go talk to people. You need to go and pr- approach people. Uh so when you say, like, LARPing at the table, like, that's... I would consider that just tabletop role play. But when we told people, like, okay, yeah. this is what you need to do, and people had to stand up and, like, actually approach somebody and say, I am this character. Whereas when you... Like, uh, what was it? The LARPs that you were in that kind of inspired you to create this th- that project, uh, those were this is just a larp all the time uh, the problem was that like people just didn't know what they were supposed to do which is honestly just a problem with the larp design
0: uh, i mean and a lot of people did know what to do my my whole thing was more it wasn't that i thought that it was that there were problems necessarily with the larp as much as it was i just wanted to do da- tabletop with more larping involved um and and have yeah. the, the concept of when i saw you know multiple werewolves that were sitting at a table just talking the whole time um i was like i can i can bring more of the aspects of larp into um into tabletop and i would say that one you know eventually it turned into the multi-table type concept but the whole basis of it was more of the i want people to play leadership and what i found was the concept that um really set us apart was playing leadership more than anything because that's where you all of a sudden have to do more like in character role playing and stuff like that when you're sitting at a table and everybody's playing primogen members or members of some kind of council or whatever um and you're all playing politics with each other in character it becomes way more like a LARP than what you're going to see in any D&D or even our Technogate game. Because you're immediately dropping into politics and talking in character to each other in this council meeting. That's going to be the big chunk of the game, actually. And um Yeah, yeah. It was something that I found I found to be really inspiring, um, you know. And so adding, I, I get what you're saying that the the te- you know when we told players that you can get up and go talk to other tables if you want, and you had stuff on your character sheet about other tables, um, that's really what what made us more of a, a tarp, a ta- you know a tabletop action role playing game that's. Um, And very similar to LARP, added a lot of those LARPing elements, but the whole inspiration came really from the fact that I really wanted people to drop into their character and how to, you know, and just how to LARP at a table. And it was like, oh, you just have them all play leadership that come to a meeting that they have to play out at, um, you know, at this event. And... And it it definitely worked out really well, and it's something that I I plan on continuing to do, not necessarily in the sense of maybe going the the super big games, but um, I definitely want to continue the concept of playing games where you are handed a a powerful character, and everybody that's sitting at the table with you are all powerful characters, and you're there doing some politicking and, you know, um, dealing with the fact that you guys run a city or whatever.
1: Yeah, so strangely enough, you know, talking about it again, I could see us doing it again. I don't think we would do the 40-person, 10-hour games, though. I think we would probably not do that. Um,
0: No, I mean, I wouldn't do 10 hours ever in one sitting. But I could see doing a large game if we could do it with like a 4-hour or 5-hour, you know, one-shot type kind
1: of stuff. Um, And just doing LARPs in general and stuff. Um, I I think I would be up for a a 40-person, like, six-hour game. You know, we'd have to get, you know, the GMs for it. But uh, so going back to conventions, because this is a part of our experience, is uh, so just quickly, can you talk about uh, trying to explain to the event organizers at Gen Con what the hell our event was? Um,
0: yeah, so that was an interesting experience every year um, trying to explain um, for like three years that we do? did this. Um, <laughs> and every year we had to go back and forth um, on it. And it was something that, um, you know, I feel bad because I, you know, I'm brand new. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And I didn't know exactly how, how to explain um, what was kind of going on. And there's a lot of, you know, there's... The event organizers are trying to deal with a lot of different stuff, uh, you know, and so they're oh, skim yeah. reading your your emails and stuff like that and just trying to get the sense of what you're trying to do. And most people are just sending in simple requests. So we had to ask for, you know, we want four tables, one room, you know, why does it need to be in its room by itself? Why does it seem like it's a LARP, but it's tabletop rules? um you know why are all these games needing to be at the same exact time you know and it was it was an interesting experience um that eventually worked out really well Uh, i mean our first year we were in a really small room that was too small for us i think Um, but i feel like the second and third year we had fairly decent rooms um that i was fairly
1: happy Uh, with see i disagree i liked the room the first year. The second year we had that long room the long room was a little weird I didn't like the long room mainly because uh, the hunter table was at the opposite end from the vampire table which is appropriate but made it a <laughs> bit difficult uh, the the third year I loved that room except for how far away it was and it might have actually been too big Man, it was loud in there. Like you could not hear people.
0: Yeah, that was it, it was just weird. Yeah. But yeah, in any case, though, um yeah, it was it was a lot of back and forth on trying to explain the concept of what we yeah. were doing. Um, and, and, and the to end.
1: their credit, Gencon always figured it out in the end. Absolutely. Like we got we got the appropriate time. We got the appropriate listing. We got the, a relatively appropriate room. Uh, like, kudos to Gen Con for, yeah. for dealing with our shit.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, and that's and that's something that, you know, it, next time that we do it, we're going to come at it in maybe a little bit of a different angle if we do go big. But,
1: um, you know, I'm going to definitely... Um, we should reach out to that guy and be like, "Hey, you want to be on a podcast so you could bitch about all the the <laughs> event organizers at Gen Con for like an hour?" <laughs> but yeah, so it, crazy requests.
0: It's an interesting uh, process for sure. Um, and if you're doing something okay. weird and wonky, I'm I'm looking forward to doing some more regular um, stuff for a couple of years before we jump back into anything super big. Because um, I feel like I feel the one big thing that um, was the roughest on doing the forty-person game was more of the getting four GMS to work together for a year on yeah. a project, and um, and that's something that I think moving forward I want to make sure that I have you know a one hundred percent solid plan at before we even start submitting. Um, because well, what we did a lot was we would submit our ideas and then we'd start working on them. Um, and I think the the plan moving forward for me submitting events is that I'm gonna have the work at least a, a good chunk of it done before I even get to the point of submitting it, or it's already it's gonna be something I'm reusing from years past and just altering. Um, and Technogate, um, I think I, I'm gonna definitely be running. Moving forward here, and that's something that I think, um, you know, I, I've already got a lot of concepts and work already done on that, and should be able to to bring it into something that can be playable and one-shottable for uh, new people to
1: to enjoy. Now, see, what we need to do is add a fifth faction to the Gahara Pact. And so now it's a 50-player, 10-hour game. We need 5 GMs. Yeah, okay. It's already done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we're going pretty long, but uh, I I do want to... Let's see. So the the main two that we've gone to together uh, that I want to talk about real quick are Origins and Midwinter. Uh, And you know what? Let's skip Origins... (laughs) Let's just go to midwinter because I think that's the more interesting one. That if people out there who are actually listening to this, um, or have we talked about midwinter before on this?
0: Um, we I did, we, we did do our remembering or we did, uh, so many LARPs. Um, I believe one of <laughs> it's like our second podcast, um, that we kind of went through and talked about midwinter and what we did that year. Um, And all the different LARPs that we hit up, but, um, I, I just want to, I want to emphasize that I really felt like, um, the going around in all of it. we went, we hit up a lot of LARPs, but we also got to talk with a lot of the, the game creators and like Onyx Path and all of the, um, different kind of seminars that we sat in on, um, the, the community seems a lot more tight and smaller at midwinter and it felt more like you could get involved with the people that are there than all of, all the other cons it kind of just seems like there's uh, more of a disconnect between the people that are running it and and the people that are that are there for the event because they're being paid to be there or you know running their events or whatever and then there's um At midwinter, it just seemed like there was more ability
1: for you to actually connect with people. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that. but Uh, Midwinter, I think, was a couple hundred people, maybe upwards of 500, if you really kind of stretched it to just the kind of people were there for maybe one day. But like I remember going to it the first day, that first year, and we went to that panel, and I can't remember what the panel was but it was just the woman who runs midwinter is just there and just talking to people.
0: Yeah. That and, was an interesting where they yeah. kind of, it was like an introduction, like, Hey, everybody that's, you know, trying to do something here. Why don't we all meet up and have like a little talk about all, you know, about what you're yeah. doing and who and, you are and why you're at midwinter. And it was really cool just to see people pop up and, you know, or that were there and they you know, we, we, we introduced ourselves to a few people and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that more and more as um, you know, we see what happens with conventions moving forward in the future. But um, you know, I have a lot of hope that uh, that conventions will be back um,
1: at some point. Yeah. Well, let's, let's speculate on it. Just, just for a second. I, I have a feeling that sometime in the fall, is going to be it. So I don't think Gen Con is going to happen this year. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure midwinter isn't happening.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a high possibility that this year might be another year where it might be a lot of virtual stuff. Um, you know, and and I plan on this year because in 2020 I did skip out on all the conventions basically. Um, but I'm signed up for GaryCon. Um, I'm definitely going to still you know do whatever is going on at at GenCon. I plan to run. Um, my thing is is I, I'm fine with it being virtual um, as long as I can still run events. And so I just have to learn how I'm able to run what what it's going to take to run events. For uh, conventions virtually, and that's something I haven't really looked into yet. Um, but I can't imagine it's going to take me as you know. It's going to be similar to being in person. Um, it just is going to be virtual. So I plan on still going and trying to run events. Um, Gen Con is held off on their uh, event registration for GMs to set up their events um, and you know, they're kind of seeing what's going to be, what's going on here. Uh, But as soon as they put out their stuff for running events, I'm, you know, whether it's virtual or in person as you know, and if it's in person, as long as everything seems safe, I plan on running um, events. And I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what it's like to be virtual, but I think that this year is going to be a strongly virtual and I think midwinter, um, 2022 is going to be when I think things will be probably full bore back to normal um, with conventions. but And that's, that's if everything yeah. goes,
1: you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to see. Uh, and so I just looked it up. So uh, Midwinter was supposed to be uh, over the weekend of Friday the 8th to Sunday the 10th. So that would have been like two weekends ago. Um, and it got canceled back in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically just said it's it's not possible based on current restrictions. I hope they were also thinking about you know even with following the restrictions, you know people would still get sick uh and like you said, I think Gen Con is basically just trying to hold out to the last second to cancel,
0: yeah, uh, I mean because I mean you never know maybe miracles happen and everything. It's really good by summer, you know, if, if everything gets rolled out properly, you never know. But in yeah. any case, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point for us to kind of wrap up here um, and and do some shout outs here. Before we do that, though, um, just wanted to let you all know that we are running Technogate still. Um, Technogate is going to be changing a little bit. We're going to be calling it Technogate 1999. Um, we're kind of doing a little bit of a fresh start um, with a new series um, that's kind of going to be using all the stuff that um, the characters from the, the Technogate you know, ep, uh, season zero and season one that we already have um, out and published. And we're going to be moving that um, to more of an episodic. Um, less super mega story that's kind of happening, um, in the background and going very, very strongly episodic and character, um, character driven stories to a certain degree. Um, as well as, uh, you know, episodes that focus on, you know, checking out different aspects of the, the Umbra and different places in the Umbra, um, we do, we will have like a small little, um, arc plot that we will have kind of going on, but I, I, um, want to focus as much as possible on making technogate as episodic as possible. Um, so that people can kind of jump in at any time. And, you know, if they, they see, you know, Oh, that's the abyss episode. Let me go check out the abyss episode, or that's the episode on, um, you know, uh, you know any kind of different aspects of the different umbral realms that exist out there, um, and
1: yeah, so more like Star Trek: The Next Generation.
0: More, more like Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, with you know a, a light epic or arc plot that kind of is going on each season. Um, you know, there's there was an arc plot with the the Borg and the arc plot with the admirals that we're all aliens or something like that but you know it never really influenced. in in every episode you could skip any episode and you can kind of end up um you know but there's two parters that you know or three parters that we'll probably be still doing where you'll want to watch those in in succession of course
1: um yeah and at some point phaedra will grow a beard on someone (laughs) and that's when we know that We've hit our stride, and we've got eight seasons ahead of us of greatness. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I also just want to give some
0: shout-outs here to uh, podcasts that have really inspired us, like uh, Midnight Express, um, Utility Muffin Labs, Darker Days Radios, Gehenna Gaming. Um, These are all some really great things you you can check out out there. Um, also, want to definitely give a big shout out to the game makers um, Onyx Pass and White Wolf. Um, if you want to get a lot of really good uh, books that are created by these um, game makers, you can go to uh, Drive Through RPG. They have some really cool um, print on demand books that you can get um, for quite a bit of pretty much. Uh, have, do they have? Uh, I don't think they have Dungeons and Dragons, do they? Or do they? Uh, no,
1: oh, no, they... that's all through the wizards.
0: Yeah, that's, that's all wizards. wizards the
1: but they have yeah, like they, all the world they, of dark. Wizards has warehouses full of stuff <laughs> that they must sell. Um, Drive-through RPG has contracts with uh, on-demand printers. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: but yeah, so there's, um, you know cool things you can kind of check out are like the books for seventh age created by rick hines um also the uh red opera rpg um a dungeons friend and dragons of the
1: show rick hines what's friend of the show rick hines yes i'm sorry i i listen to a lot of podcasts people say friend of the show friend a of lot. the show oh that's... he's a friend of
0: the show and um Definitely check out, like, GaryCon, Midwinter Origins, Gen Con, and HoleCon conventions. We plan on trying to hit up all of these, whether it's virtual or in person this year. Um, and if you enjoy the show, feel free to follow and like our podcast. Um, you can also check us out on Twitch, YouTube. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter. And, um, What's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter is... Um, I think it's Golden Age Stories. Let's see.
1: I looked it up. It's not there.
0: Uh, let's see here. We are. Yeah, at Golden Age. Golden Age. Yep. At Golden Age for Twitter.
1: Not Golden Age Stories.
0: Uh, yeah, but well, yeah, that's okay. the name, I guess. Is uh,
1: I suppose the they S. could search Twitter Golden Age stories. That would work.
0: Yeah, if you pull up Golden Age, if you just search Golden Age stories, it pulls us up. But anyways, yeah. Um, next week, uh, do we have any any specific plan for next week? I don't. I can't remember.
1: Wait, I thought you had a thing.
0: Uh no. So we don't have an idea of what we're going to be doing next week, um but uh we will uh tweet def- at us. Tweet at us. If you have any ideas, any anything that you want us to do an episode on, definitely
1: let us know. We sound smart, but every week we're like what the hell are we going to talk about? <laughs> we're just like, yeah, we we'll At just... some point we're going to have to just start doing book reviews and you do not want that cuz I don't like to read. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, um well, this is uh Frozen Fallout signing
1: off. Uh, and this is Moto Rory reminding you that golden is spelled G U L D A N. Ah, yes, yes. G
0: U L, Goldan. Good night. Goldan